0: business is a numbers game. I have the best clients too. I've had an amazing record of clients. That's not a reason to not put the structure in place that our business needs to run smoothly. What I tell people about where legal fit is going to support those relationships. Legal is one more way that you put a really clean supportive container around how your services are going to
1: work my name is samantha riley and this is the podcast for coaches course creators and experts who want to grow their influence income and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond we're going to share the latest business growth marketing and leadership strategies as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life inside and out create the influence income and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle it's time to make a difference and scale up this is the influence by design podcast welcome to today's episode of influence by design I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and very excited to be welcoming my good friend today, Heather Pierce-Campbell, who's a warrior mama, nature lover, and dedicated attorney and legal coach for world-changing entrepreneurs. She's the creator of the legal website, Warrior, an online business that provides legal education and support to information entrepreneurs around the US and the world. I love this. She hoards information, paper, and books while secretly dreaming of becoming a minimalist. And I think that's probably why we get along so well and she relishes an occasional rare night with her hubby when the kiddos are miraculously asleep so she can soak up HGTV without guilt. Heather is also the host of the Guts, Grit and Great Business podcast. Welcome to the show Heather. Thank you Sam, so good to see you again. Absolutely, I'm very excited to be talking to you today. Now this is a topic that probably on the outside sounds a little bit dry. However, it's something that every single one of us needs to know as coaches. You help um, entrepreneurs get their legal stuff together. That stuff, that's a very technical word. (laughs) Why don't you start off by sharing a little bit about how you came to be working with online entrepreneurs? Because I've personally found that there is a lot of difficulty in getting the right help in this area.
0: Yes. No, you're not alone in experiencing that. So the quick overview of my journey is that I am based here in Seattle. I've been practicing law for 20 years. It was about 10 years in that I, and I've always been I tell people I've always been a bit of an outsider, even within the law. I I don't have any other legal people in my family. I didn't know any attorneys. It was really law. The the law career for me ended up being a continuation of essentially my business learning, my business degrees. And I wanted more education that I could combine with business, but I didn't want to go get an MBA Mm -hmm. anyways, for a variety of reasons, law was a natural fit and so even when I graduated law school, like I, I had a very atypical path. And it meant that even, you know, 10 years into my career, I was looking at ways that i could do things differently the the traditional legal system really drastically underserves certain segments of the marketplace mm-hmm. one of those segments being small businesses and especially small businesses that don't even rate on the scale of typical small businesses right there's a whole segment of small businesses that are small businesses that all of the small business business books are written for. Most of the people that I support are not building even that kind of a business, mm-hmm. right? They're like micro entrepreneurs, micro businesses, they're information entrepreneurs, they're, they're online entrepreneurs that, and they may be building small teams. Let's be clear that they may be making millions of dollars a year through their business, but it's a very different kind of business model. and. Mm-hmm. What I find and and what I did find early in my career is that they just were not well served Mm -hmm. by the traditional legal industry. So I I thought, you know, I can create an alternate model, like basically a, a totally parallel business that serves these folks in a very different way, but is parallel to my legal practice so that I meet them where they are, I educate them in the online space where they live, educate them first so that they're making better decisions for their business, including legal decisions, which a lot of people, like you said, that legal stuff, people, oh, they want to ignore. It's like going to the auto mechanic or the dentist, right? Most people put it off for as long as possible.
1: (laughs) We're not doing that straight off the bat. (laughs) Right. So why do you find that people hold off from getting this kind of legal support? Mm, All
0: the reasons the list is long, right? So what I've heard from people over the years is, you know, I, first of all, the starting point is that the mindset is that they're small enough not to really matter when it comes mm-hmm. to legal stuff. So that's one of the things that keeps them out of the legal marketplaces. A lot of folks in this area of business think like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing all of these big business things. Like I don't have legal needs. Like I don't really need to look in that box. Right. So they keep themselves from even looking in the, the legal box, if you will, because I think they're afraid it's going to be Pandora's box. Like Mm -hmm. what if I have to do all of this stuff from a legal perspective and I just don't have the budget or whatever. So one is that they minimize from a mindset perspective. They generally minimize their business and where they fit in the world. I have to remind people all the time in the US, and I work with people around the world, but a lot of them, their businesses are reaching into the US. 99.9% of all businesses in the US are small businesses. Mm-hmm. Like from a numbers perspective, mm-hmm. we are the marketplace. Yeah. We are the marketplace. Yeah. Right? A small business is any business that makes less than $3 million per year. It's virtually wow. all of my clients, except for a small subset. So one, small businesses tend to minimize and especially this type of business in the online space. And then two, they think like, oh, my liability is not that great, right? How many folks are running an office from home or a small business from home or especially now in the pandemic, right? Yeah. They're not, they're it's not like doing- everyone, <laughs> Right. They're not as actively engaged in the world or running live events or having a brick and mortar location. So they think like, oh, I just don't have any risk. I don't need to do this stuff. I've also heard like, oh, if a problem comes up, then I'll deal with it. Right. So it's kind of like, I'm just not going to look at it until later. And I'm forced to,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: how many people have done that with their health or something (laughs) else, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of human nature. And then a lot of people are like, well, I know I need to do this stuff, but You know, I'm just not ready for it yet. I don't have the budget or I've got the best clients. Like they wouldn't cause those problems Mm -hmm. for my Mm -hmm. business. I've heard that too. I've got the best clients. Like I, I don't really need to worry about that. And the reality is business is a numbers game. I have the best clients too. I love my clients. I've had an amazing record of clients for my entire career. I don't have to fight people on paying my bills. I don't have to hunt them down or chase them. Like I have clients that are like, you know, as soon as I'm wrapping up the work, send me the invoice. I want to take care of you. Mm -hmm. So I get it. And that's not a reason to not put the structure in place that our business needs to run smoothly, to support those relationships. If anything, and what I tell people about where legal fits is it is going to support those relationships, right? Legal is one more way that you put a really clean, supportive container around how your services are going to work and how you guys are going to work anything out
1: if issues do come up. Mm. Can we talk about the kinds of, I guess... I can't even think of the word contracts, documents, Mm -hmm. help me out here that coaches need to start with some of the things that they really need to look at right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, it's such a great question. So um, the word you might've been looking for, what I call it, because it does go across a variety of areas. I just call them legal supports, right? And they, they fall in different buckets. So I have a framework that I teach and we can quickly do an overview of the buckets. That mm-hmm. way your people can be thinking about their own business in terms of this mini map. Mm-hmm. Bucket one is legal structure, setting mm-hmm. up a proper legal entity, right? So If you're in the U.S., then I'm talking about entities like a C corporation, an LLC. Some people ask about an S corporation. That is not technically a legal entity. It's actually a tax election status. So you can make an election as a C corp or an LLC to be taxed differently. Mm -hmm. In Australia, I'm sure you've got some similar business
1: entities, right? So it's like um, sole trader or partnership or a proprietary limited company. Yeah, exactly. A limited company or a, a regular
0: corporation, right? In Canada, they don't have. LLCs, right? They don't have the LLC model. And mm-hmm. so, depending on where you're based, you may not have exactly the type of legal entity that I may be talking about here in the US, but you've got some version of that. You have some options to choose from. And really what you need to be looking at and you know, what I ask people cuz I often get the question, well, like do I really need to do that if I'm just, you know, coaching, I've got a home office like again with the minimization. Do I really need to set up a legal entity. Well, in the States, and I know that the same is true in Canada and other places that have, you know, similar uh, legal approaches, the only way to separate out your business liability, which means any liability you create through your work from your personal assets is to have a legal entity in place. Mm -hmm. And that's what tells the government, you know, the IRS or your tax authority, Mm -hmm. your court system, that your business is separate from your personal assets, your home, your bank accounts, your vehicles. If you're in a community property state or you have community property law that applies to you, keeps your spouse's assets safe, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't think about that. And I have to harp on this a lot because 60% of small businesses in the U.S., are sole proprietors. So mm-hmm. in your language, sole traders, right? Mm-hmm. There's no legal entity protecting their work mm-hmm. surrounding that liability. And people just don't understand how much liability there really is. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of educating on, on that point as well, but that's bucket number one is looking mm-hmm. at How serious are you about your business? Do you have personal assets in your life? If the answer is yes, I want you to be looking long and hard at at setting up a legal entity right now.
1: (laughs) Mm, 100%. I could not agree more.
0: And um, the other thing that it does, kind of the bonus thing that happens when people do this is their mindset shifts. It's a little bit the difference between like dipping your toe in the water and like fully Mm. committing to something, going to the effort of licensing with your state or your province or your local, you know, your local government, whatever it takes to set up your business, um, paying the licensing fees, like doing everything properly, You relate to your business differently. Mm -hmm. You show up to your business differently. You show up to your clients differently. People are always surprised at how, and I call it elevating your perceived professionalism, right? Your clients then relate to you differently when you're operating from inside of a, a formal business entity. You've got your contracts in place. You've got your online terms. They see that this is all stuff that's visible mm-hmm. when you're doing business, right? Mm-hmm. And your clients will relate differently to your
1: business as well.
0: So yeah,
1: that's, cool. yeah, that's a really great perspective there. And very, very, I was going to say valid. Well, of course it's valid. You said it, but it really does help that mindset of, okay, we're doing this thing now.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So the legal entity is bucket one. Bucket two, the second legal
0: supports, and this is a big bucket. I spend a lot of time with my clients here, business contracts. Mm -hmm. So the quick overview of this bucket is you should have a business contract or a contract in place for every exchange of value through your business, right? So what is an exchange of value? Um, Delivering client services is an exchange of value. Uh, Bringing on an independent contractor to support you with some of the inside work in your business. That's an exchange of value. Mm -hmm. Setting up an affiliate program. Exchange of value, right? Establishing a joint venture or collaboration, exchange of value. Publishing information and expertise online, exchange of value, right? The document you have in place for that are your online website terms and conditions. Collecting information, exchange of value. You need a privacy policy in order to legally do that right? Selling something online, exchange of value, terms of purchase are what covers that particular exchange. So you can see all these ways. If you think of your business, like if, if the bucket number one with the business entity is your foundation, which it literally is bucket number two, all these business contracts. I like, when I think of the businesses that I support and serve, they look like little machines to me right? (laughs) All these gears and moving parts and nuts and bolts and like different kinds of arms and things operating. Like they are visually to me, like a machine. Think of business contracts as protecting all of that moving machinery in your business, all those moving parts, right? That's why any exchange of value, moving part, you need a contract in place to protect that third bucket. And we could, by the way, in any of these buckets, we could go very deep. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I won't, I won't, won't. we're just touching on them because conceptually, I want people to understand where they are on the map, where they Mm -hmm. can look. But, um, but once you have that, then you can make much better decisions about where to put your energy and what comes next. Right. So the third bucket is business insurance. I'm not Mm -hmm. an insurance salesman and this is, it's not technically a legal protection, but it's, it's really related. And I get a lot of questions about insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In the U S and I'm sure it's similar other places. There's something like 13 different kinds of small business insurance policies. Mm -hmm. Um, And depending on your business, you might have some configuration that's unique to you, right? Some people may not have a brick and mortar location. That's going to be very different than somebody else who does that Mm -hmm. has an office where they interface with people or they have a physical employee, right? Very different. Somebody who hosts live events, different kind of insurance coverage than if you're somebody who never hosts live events, right? You have specific event coverage for those events. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's a little bit like putting homeowners insurance in place. You know, you, you talk with an insurance agent or a broker for, for your business, I'd recommend you connect with an insurance broker. They're going to be able to look at the whole marketplace and be very competitive on your behalf as far as getting policies and insurance products that are a fit for you, but they're going to ask questions to get to know your business a little bit. Like when you put homeowners insurance in place and they say, do you have a swimming pool? Do you own a dangerous dog? You have a trampoline, right? They're trying to assess level of risk associated Mm -hmm. with your particular business. So super important, you know, none of these buckets, by the way, are set it and forget it. You have to think of them. You have to think of all of these buckets as, you know, these are the the locations that you look, you do what I call a rolling risk assessment. Mm -hmm. Anytime something changes in your business. You assess those same buckets and you look back in them. Any any time of the year, it might be numerous times a year, depending on how quickly your business is changing or growing at minimum, at least once a year, you should be looking into all of these buckets, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the backdrop, but bucket number three is insurance. Bucket number four is Intellectual Property Protection Plan, mm, right?
1: is a big thing for coaches and consultants.
0: Yes, this is a big one. A lot of people misunderstand what IP is and how it's protected and how you can protect it. And a lot of people, again, with the minimization, think like, well, I'm not Starbucks. I'm not Nike. I don't have the budget to go protecting all of this stuff. So I'm not even going to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No, we should look at it. We should understand it. We should figure out out what are our core pieces of intellectual property? like? And everybody knows this. Once you've been doing your thing for a while, you start to recognize your own core pieces of content, your own core teachings. What are the principles that come up again and again that are kind of your special sauce, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are the ways that you teach a system or a framework or information or you know, you have a special title or tagline or logo. These are all ways that we create intellectual property. Um, and how, how do you protect that? So the quick overview is if you think about your business or your brand, some people relate to the term brand. Other people don't, depending on where they are on their business building journey. The reality is you have one, right? <laughs> Depends how people relate to it. But if you think of your business or brand like a mountain, mm-hmm and you can see the snow-capped peaks at the top, right? Mm -hmm. That is what is visible to the marketplace or visible from the marketplace, the top of the mountain. This is the top level of your brand, your business name, your tagline, your logo, if you have something that's really identifiable. So think of companies like Nike or Starbucks, right? Nike, is going to be protected by trademark. And this is also, by the way, what's visible from the marketplace is what is protectable with a trademark registration. Mm -hmm. Your business name, your business tagline, or your business logo, right? A short phrase or tagline. So Nike, just do it. And the Nike logo are all going to be protected by separate registered marks. Mm -hmm. Same with Starbucks, right? The name Starbucks, the Starbucks logo, all protected with registered marks. So you've got the snow-capped peaks, which are protectable by trademarks. And then you have the rest of the mountain, the body of the mountain for the coach or anybody in the information publishing space, experts, coaches, consultants, online educators. this is the body of your work, your systems, your frameworks, your workbooks, your digital courses, your video series, your blogs, your news, you know, maybe you have a newsletter, maybe you publish a weekly article on your site, like all the ways that you're publishing content and getting your expertise out into the world. Maybe you publish a traditional book, right? Mm -hmm. All of this stuff can be protected with copyright, copyright registrations. So Mm -hmm. that's the quick overview of, of trademarks and copyrights. And understand the other way we protect information and intellectual property in our businesses is through contracts, right? Bucket number two, non-disclosure agreements, right? Confidentiality clauses that are part of other agreements. So there are, are ways that we can keep trade secrets secrets. There are ways that we can keep proprietary information protected, even in our client service agreements or our online terms of purchase when we're selling a digital course there should be language in there that says, here's what you can do with the information inside this course or program. Here's what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Should be Very specific restrictions. These are the gatekeepers to your intellectual property. So contracts can, um, contracts are one of the best ways to protect what it is that we're creating. And then mm-hmm. you've also got, you know, other strategies available like trademark registrations or copyright protection. So, it's a very quick overview of the IP, the intellectual property, uh, protection strategy bucket, but as a small business in this space, a coach in the online space, this like intellectual property is your primary business asset.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot
0: of coaches, again, don't think about this until there are ways down the road or they minimize it or, Oh, I don't have the budget for trademarks or whatever, No, if you're going to be competitive in your space if you want to stand out as an expert you need to be looking in this bucket
1: Mm. and as you said that i you know i'm thinking about what people would would say as you're saying all this like well that's really great heather but i'm a little tiny business and (laughs) i just don't you know i don't have the capacity to do all of that so i i guess what, what do coaches need to know about all of this, that they don't know the thing that's going to make them go, mm. Oh, now I really get it. Yeah.
0: A couple things. The first point is, cause a lot of people are, are thinking about it backwards. They're thinking, I, I haven't budgeted for this. I don't have the money for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not the right question any of us can invest any amount in any area of life and we know it, right? And I mean, it's not, not unlimited. I can't go pay Tony Robbins a million dollars tomorrow to coach me individually, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm saying that if we want something like a new sofa that costs $5,000 or a new car or whatever, we figure out a way to get it. Mm-hmm. The reality is most people don't want legal support mm-hmm. because they don't know enough about it to know that they should want it. So that's point number one, two is the, the question is what do you, what can you afford to lose in -hmm. your business and in your life, in your personal life? If you don't take care of this, Mm -hmm. this is the question, Brendan Burchard, right. Who a lot of people know launched a a live event, did a whole bunch of stuff early on in his career without legal protection, Mm -hmm. ended up filing personal bankruptcy, bankruptcy over it because he got sued by one of the volunteers helping oh, wow. him at the event. Yeah. The question is not, could you afford to pay an attorney a couple hundred dollars to put a proper waiver in place for that employee or that volunteer? The question is how much can you afford to lose if you don't? Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. it's People just don't think about it until it has smacked them in the face. And the problem with legal stuff is it smacks really hard when it smacks Mm -hmm. because it's it's the equivalent. And I tell people this all the time. The online world of business is the wild west of business still. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. can say crazy things. They can throw up a website. They can quote unquote, be in business and have no idea from a legal perspective what it means to be there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's the equivalent of driving down the freeway at 70 miles an hour and not knowing there's a speed limit. Mm, mm -hmm. You're presumed to know the law. You're presumed to know the marketing laws, not only in your own country, but where you're marketing to in other countries, you're presumed to know the privacy laws that apply. You're presumed to know. I just had a client who's a Canadian client get um, uh, basically, you know, an initial claim, it hadn't yet turned into a lawsuit because he was infringing a registered Mark in the U S he's reaching into the U S for his clients, which makes him liable and on the hook for violating somebody's intellectual property rights, who already had a registered Mark over the phrase he was using.
1: Mm -hmm. He had no
0: idea. He's like, what I'm in Canada. Yeah. But you're showing up to the U S digitally to get 80% of your clients. Mm. So people need to understand all of these rules apply, whether they like it or not, and whether they know the rules or not. And so it's, you know, the reality is we have to learn sales in our business. We have to learn marketing. We have to learn information systems, right? There's all these things that we end up having to learn. Legal cannot be left off the list or you're in trouble at some point.
1: Mm, totally. So what are the biggest legal risks uh, that coaches face? Mm, the real obvious ones
0: are beginner's errors like copyright infringement, mm-hmm. taking somebody else's content, borrowing somebody else's title, launching an online program or course with a domain that's protected with, by somebody else's trademark, mm-hmm. registered mm-hmm. trademark, right? So all beginners errors because they just haven't looked, they haven't figured out what they need to know. And it's not that they're bad people. They just end up, you know, unfortunately very often. So there are people that have like launched their business. They developed a whole new website and hired a marketing team and did all this stuff. Had to take it all down because it was infringing somebody else's Registered mark. That happens all the time. This is not like a one-off. This is a consistent thing, right? Um, you know, launching their own programs or courses or online content without having a privacy policy up, without having terms up, which without protecting their merchant account. Mm-hmm. Right. So I watch chargeback fraud and chargeback fraud is also called friendly fraud, right? It's refund fraud. It's, it is, and the, the rates are quite high for digital businesses, mm-hmm. especially if they don't know what they're doing, especially mm-hmm. if they don't have digital terms in place, because We have sophisticated consumers out there Mm
1: -hmm, and they mm -hmm. know
0: like, oh, I just went through this purchase process and I paid somebody $6,000 to join their course. And there wasn't any terms in place. I can turn around within six months and just claim that it was never delivered or it wasn't delivered as stated. And I will get my money back directly from the credit card company.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And they do. Mm. And so, you know, it's errors like that because somebody has not slowed down and taken the time to realize there's legal protections you put in place around selling online services, digital content, anything related to using that merchant account, you need terms in place for, because if you get a request like that, the first thing the merchant account comes to you for is where your terms, show Mm -hmm, me your terms, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where's the contract that the client signed? Oh, you don't have one. Okay give them back their $6,000. And Mm. I had friends in the industry. I had clients show up all throughout the last two years of COVID and people were facing five, six, $20,000 chargebacks
1: Mm, mm -hmm. and
0: they'd already delivered the services and Mm. they had to turn
1: around and hand that money back. Mm. It's happened to us. Someone Mm. did exactly that. And boy, oh, am I glad I had everything in place because all we were able to do, and it was a pain in the neck. It took us yeah. a day of going through documents and putting together reports and downloading things. But you know what? We did it. And the bank was just like, Yep, you guys are good. You don't have to refund that. That's so right. you're your ducks in a row. Uh-huh. Definitely, definitely recommend getting your ducks in a row. Yeah. Because, like you say, Heather, there are people out there that are not um honest and that if and especially people that get angry
0: that they can do
1: you know that that's I guess when it really you know hits the fan
0: well it's tough and you know I I try to help people feel better because the reality is most people at some point are going to encounter difficult clients chargeback scenarios something that goes wrong right Mm -hmm. business is a numbers game the more you're in it The more business that you do, the more likely you are to have something go wrong, the more widespread your information becomes. So like if you plan on being good at what you do, and I hope if you're listening, you are already. Everyone that's
1: in my world is is in that boat. (laughs) Yes, then you
0: have to plan for this stuff because... People still, do, I, you know, I also joke like a big, huge dose, dose of ethics would fix most of the problems that we see in the online world. Mm-hmm. And I keep waking up one day thinking everybody's going to have ethics. Everybody will <laughs> understand the rules of the internet. It, it doesn't happen. I'm eternally optimistic, but it hasn't happened yet. So just expect that you're going to have problems and that if you're good at what you do and you have eyeballs on your work, you will have people, including clients, try to rip you off. You will have them go through your courses. You will have them turn around and try to duplicate your content, take your taglines, take whatever it is that you are good at and try to make it theirs. It is the reality of the internet. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it, you know, unfortunately I was talking with David Bayer at one of his events and he was asking me what I did and we chatted for a minute and he goes, oh yeah, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. it, I was like, oh, unfortunately, yes, I'm trying to change that, right? But it really is true that if you plan to be in business for any length of time, it is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when one of these Mm. things will happen.
1: Mm. I'd love to talk about payments and um, clients that renege on payments, Mm. because this is something Mm. that comes up, you see it all over social. and. A lot of the advice that I see is just walk away I'd love to hear your take on this because Mm. I'm a big believer of no but I'd love to hear your take on this
0: yeah this is an important one the the fifth bucket that we didn't get to I'll just do a little plug for bucket number five I joke, everybody's running towards this bucket. It is dispute resolution strategy. Mm-hmm. You could also call this bucket communication strategy, mm-hmm. right? So with your business, um, you, you think of the game of telephone, right? How many people have played telephone and you get to the end and like, there's some just totally absurd result that, that comes out of that game. Right. Right. Business is the game of telephone. Like p- things get said, people misremember. There's some like, and I just went through this with a client. And you guys, I like, I live in systems, I live in very complex information. And so I try to design everything really tightly. And I still got a client who went all the way through this enrollment process. And then, you know, we had this major disconnect around what she thought she was getting versus what I was delivering. Went back, had to unwind it all. But Like the game of telephone shows up again and again and again in business because we have so many potential avenues for things to go wrong. It's just the reality. Lots of moving parts go back to that machinery, all the moving Mm -hmm. parts. So when you think about dispute resolution strategy, it is really all about your ability to not only handle difficult conversations well, but also about having taken great care in your touch points. The, the way that I think about um, disputes and how we minimize disputes and create better informed clients is through our touch points, right? We have all these potential touch points with clients, you know, everything from your marketing message to that lives out there, you know, wherever you publish information separate and apart from your website. Then you have your website, then you have your enrollment process, right? Inviting somebody in to become a subscriber or become a client. And then you have the legal contracting process that happens hopefully somewhere in there. You've got your your follow-up service, you know, whatever it is that you're supposed to deliver. You have your customer support, you've got, you know, and, and a variety of things in between, but you have this whole process that literally is a series of touch points. At each point along the way you should be asking yourself is this clear and am I creating the type of client I want to work with and this includes in your business policies so to the to the point that you asked about refunds right because mm-hmm. everybody knows mm-hmm. you should have a clearly stated refund policy you should have a clearly stated payment policy this can be done wherever you publish your business policies and it should also be done very clearly in your legal documentation, mm-hmm. right? And the key to to your legal documentation is getting what's called constructive notice and consent, right? Making sure that they see the terms, whether they're digital online terms or like a contract they sign through like DocuSign or HelloSign, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that they have been exposed to the terms and that you're business policies are consistent with those terms, right? So you look at all those touch points and assuming you've done a good job, when you have a problematic client like this, the question becomes like, okay, did I mismanage one of these touch points or is this just a problematic client? But if you've done things the right way, you have an opportunity to enforce your business boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? To decide that. and, And it really, there's a couple things that I have people think about whenever they're facing a scenario like this, right? If it's somebody who has not done a great job of clarifying some of those other points, that might be where we look f- first. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. somebody's done a good job of making sure that's clear, I'm going to encourage them to enforce their business boundaries.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, and we all know this, we have reputations in the marketplace. Are we clear in what we say? Are, do we mean what we say? Do we follow up on what we say? And if you're somebody who you know just lets people off the hook left and right, this might be a lesson for you to learn in your mm. business. I hate to put it in that way, but that will keep showing up for you until you deal with it. And mm. that is the
1: reality of it. Yeah. I love that you shared that because I hear that just so often. Oh, you know, Maybe it's just too hard and you don't want that energy or that bad juju in your business and you should just turn a blind eye. And I guess maybe because I've been in business for such a long time, I'm like, are you kidding me? No, (laughs) just no. Yeah, Yeah. so I I love that, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, you know, let's
0: talk for for just a minute around the practical details of what it means to follow up on that, because mm-hmm. it, that can be a complex thing in the world of online business. Let's pretend you've got a client around the world, and it's a $20,000 engagement. Do you have to sue them in a foreign jurisdiction to get them to pay? If that's the answer, that may not be a great option for Mm -hmm. you, right? Because there are real practical business costs associated with that. Mm -hmm. So the question then becomes moving forward. Do you change the way that you process payment in order to better respect your business boundaries? Do you work with clients that are only all in and they're going to pay you up front to work with you? I would encourage that you think about that and you Mm. think about it in relation to your business model and the kind of clients you want to attract to your business. Mm. You'll you'll get a different client that's looking for the cheapest payment plan possible than if you say, look, I want only committed clients and you're going to pay me up front to start
1: this service. Mm. Mm. I love this so much. Heather, I know that you've got a legal basics bootcamp that you Mm. share. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Cause I think this is super valuable for people that are listening.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes. I love my little legal basics bootcamp. It's like a mini bootcamp. I made it super short. It's like a five minute video each day for five days it's going to walk people through the framework that we just quickly skimmed through and let's be clear most people need to hear this multiple times even though i tried to simplify it as much as possible i find that people will show up and go through that boot camp again and again because they take something away the first time they go through it and then they're in a different point in business and the second time they take something else away right it is a, it is a map and it is a process you don't have to do all of this stuff at once but You do need to know where you're at on the map and you need to be planning for the next steps, just like any other strategic business planning, right? So that's the benefit of having a resource like this is you can keep going back, looking in the buckets, being like, okay, I've handled this now. What should I look at next? Mm -hmm. Right. And then, so it's a quick little video series. You'll get email prompts. And then there's some additional resources that are listed inside of the bootcamp.
1: Love that. And where can
0: people go to get that Heather? yeah absolutely so the link is just uh my website legal website warrior.com forward slash legal basics
1: beautiful and of course we'll put that in the show notes as always so you can just head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com and the link will be there so you can go and grab your legal basics boot camp Heather, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. I know it's a topic that a lot of people like to, you know, lift up the rug and put under the (laughs) rug, but it's one of those things that we we have to shine a light on because when we put things in the dark, that's when things go bad. So thank you for shining a light on this topic today and for joining me.
0: Oh, I love it, Sam. Thank you for putting it that way. the The final thought I'll leave people with is my goal really is better business leadership through legal. That's Mm -hmm. what I want for people is to lead their business and to be able to comprehensively lead your business. You have to have legal plugged in. So thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here.